Hey nerds, Sean Moriarty here. Just wanted to give you the heads up that the first 10 minutes or so of our podcast is about Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you don't want to have anything ruined, I would skip to about 10 minutes and 20 seconds and nothing will be spoiled. Enjoy the podcast. Listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. Can we all do a chorus of like a song from Guardians of the Galaxy? Hold on. Do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh. Uh. I feel it. All right, now this is where one of you starts singing into a space rat. What? (laughs) I call dibs. Yeah, that's the song from the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, remember? Where he's like kicking those space rats around and uses one as a microphone. I know. It was such a beautiful soundtrack. Have you seen the the bit of Chris Pratt doing Dr. Dre online? He had Mm -hmm. memorized this entire Mm -hmm. Dr. Dre song when he was living in a van in Hawaii. (laughs) What a setup. Exactly. I think think it's actually a Dr. Dre Eminem duet. And he does oh, it like I know which one you're talking perfectly. About. Forgot about Dre. Down to the exact like sixteenth note of, of, wow. of rhythm. He was on a radio show somewhere plugging um plugging Guardians of the Galaxy and just rocked it out. It was pretty he awesome. Did it? Yeah, Chris Press got swag, so you know. Dude, he was so good. Uh, um, <laughs> I was sent a, a blooper clip from Parks and Rec <laughs> where. Um, like Amy Poehler is like, and they're talking about like, oh yeah, people really like a good comeback story, like you know Rocky and and all this. It's a start listing a bunch of comebacks, and he goes, yeah, like Kim Kardashian, and they're like, Kim Kardashian, that's not really a come. He's like, well, yeah, I think she got some on her back in the video. <laughs> it was like the best listener ever. Oh, Andy, I love Andy so much. Listeners, please tweet the shit out of Chris Pratt. He needs to be on our show. Because <laughs> clearly he would fit right in. He would be great. <laughs> you guys, who like didn't love Guardians? Of the I Galaxy? loved it. Okay, can it's I just impossible say impossible to not love it? I'm. I'm risking being hyperbolic here but for me personally to me star uh, to be guardians of the galaxy was like the level of sci-fi fantasy that you get with like the first time you see star wars mm. it is yep. classic it is like just a great funny script a good ragtag group and if you take away the like looming you know genre of comic book movie and just look at it as sci-fi fantasy it's it's damn near perfect. Yeah. If you put the comic book movie genre over it, then yeah, there's going to be qualms that people have based on the original. Um, they very much changed Peter Quill's character, although apparently he's had several different iterations of his character. And there's been some things actually saying that Gamora's character was kind of... Um, possibly cheapened a little bit that well, she actually is more of a badass that's hollywood for you uh, yeah a little bit but at the same time i still think that they made a strong character that you know yeah. we could really appreciate i so. never i thought she was super badass honestly i mean like the 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 main like final battle scene wasn't between quill and ronan it was between gamora and her sister right, mm, right. oh shit spoilers Um, I also I don't think that she was cheapened at all like the moment the first moment I see her do a scene with uh, with Quill I mean yes the first thing you see her it's very melodramatic and very high space opera kind of feel you must go and do this thing 
But then she's just kind of sitting around, you know, just being a an average Joe waiting for the yeah. target to come into place. And I thought that initial interaction was was really like, oh, this is different. I, I kind of like it, you know. Mm. And I think that a strong female character like her definitely does not get taken in by anybody's pelvic sorcery. No, absolutely <laughs> not, which I love that line. Um, but so arg- arguably, though, I was talking to um, – Justin Sweet, who's actually been on the show yeah. here before, um, and good friends with Dave. Um, I was talking to him in line when we were going to see a free premiere of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank God it was free. Nice. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, he was basically saying that she actually is apparently much more of a, like, kind of a hard ass. Like, mm. she actually, that kind of, like soft, slightly sensitive aspects that you saw to her character do not exist. Like, she's simply just not interested wow. in anything that's even, remi- like, remotely kind of affectionate or anything like that. Is she, like, asexual like then, kind, kind of? Kind of, yeah. Interesting. That, that was the idea that I got. You know, it's funny you mentioned our friend Justin. Um, he actually posted a really good link on Facebook in regards to Guardians of the Galaxy. Because mm-hmm. for someone like me who hasn't read the comics... Um, I went into this movie with no expectations. You know, I was going in to see a really cool Marvel superhero comic movie. Um, And I left the movie feeling fairly confused, to be honest with you. The universe that these heroes live in is very diverse and very complicated and has so many plot lines and Mm -hmm. so many character names that I lost track, you know? And he posted this great article that basically, like, summarized a lot of the major, uh, like, character stories, especially with Ronan and um, Gamora, Mm -hmm. that whole deal. Um, I was like, who the what? (laughs) Ronan, Ronan was the only problem I had with the movie. I just felt like he was played or written very melodramatically you, but other he than was that, did you like lee pace though i love lee I, pace. I think he was he great yeah he, he was good as act performing he it, captured yeah. the terrifying part sure. about yeah. ronan i'm not gonna lie i peed a little on the whole like <laughs> transformation sequence of him entering on screen and like t- you know coming out of the bath and, yeah like being painted and right. like the black makeup on his face mm-hmm. and yeah. the way that he like held his facial structure like his jaw was just like protruding so yeah. strongly that I'm like, that's not Lee Pace. That yeah. that is a full character right there. But he's he's becoming much more and more of a character actor, and he really is like taking he, he likes taking on these dark roles. I'm yeah. getting. He's on Halt and Catch Fire, right? Yes, yes he is. Oh, that's a he great is. new show, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So although I will forever love him in Pushing Daisies, mm-hmm. if he can kind of be that soft romantic character the again, fall. I'll be really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I will say that. I appreciate the scope that they've added now to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because, yes, now you've got this space epic that, yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of uh, viewers will have questions about what's going on. But they've also set up two really awesome characters that we haven't ever seen on film or very even rarely seen in the, even in the Marvel Animated Universe. Yeah. Nova, because Mm -hmm. the Nova Corps pretty much is like the Marvel version of the Green Lantern Corps. There's Mm -hmm. the guys with the helmets and the stars on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a main character who I think joins the Avengers, don't quote me on that at some point or another, uh, who comes to Earth, uh, who's just called Nova because he's from Nova Prime, or from the Nova Corps, I should say. And then there's also the Marvel version of Captain Marvel. I was going to say, they're from Glenn Close. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) She birthed them. Yeah, she she birthed all of them. Her look was so fierce. It was was so great. It looked very, very cool. Work that up, do girl. (laughs) I think the thing we we all just kind of like skimmed over, though, is that the Marvel version of Captain Marvel is a Cree. Oh, he's actually, he's half Cree. He's half Cree, half human. 
And now that they have established the Kree Empire as being a presence in the Marvel Universe. That means they open it up for Miss Marvel. They can have Miss Marvel. Exactly. I hope, I hope, yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Uh, although, I will say, um, yes, Captain Marvel, he originally, but then eventually Ms. Marvel becomes Captain Marvel, yes. too. So mm. yes. there, there's a lot of people who have taken on the Captain Marvel mantle. You guys, which there one of us four, yes. Which one of us is not Groot? We are all Groot. We are all Groot. We are Groot. God, we are <sighs> Groot. Groot. We really oh. His leg. His leg. I need it. <laughs> yeah, that's so and great. Did you see that meme oh, I sent you of the Winter yes. Soldier <laughs> yes. with his arm? <laughs> no, his, I arm. Need his arm. I need his arm. I need, his arm. I just, I just, I need that guy. I love that quick cutaway shot. You need my what? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Bradley Cooper was basically screaming his entire way through the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he actually... I was so impressed. The thing I love about Rocket Raccoon... Is they didn't make him cute. No, and they could have easily made. If ten years ago, they would have had to. Yeah. And without spoiling it, just I love that one moment at the end where he's just kind of sitting there, and then Drax tries to uh, to pet him. Oh my god! Like, oh. Yeah, you know, and he just like, oh, yeah. wagging a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I I would say Rocket Raccoon was probably one of the best characters in that entire movie. Fully yeah. rounded character arc. What I loved about this was that I walked out of that movie going. I could not possibly pick a favorite character. Really? I love pretty much all of yeah. them. It's true, yeah. Pretty much all of them. Mm. They all had things that I just really loved. I love the fact that Drax was like, everything was super literal. Seriously. <laughs> I, I didn't I understand that. the oh idea of metaphor. God, he couldn't do metaphor. metaphors at all. Yeah, I was worried about Batista as an actor because I've seen him do some other things and not be that great. But you mean yeah. wrestle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, and he did plenty of that in this movie too. He body slammed somebody in the movie. Oh my yeah. god, he was such a beast in this movie. But there were some scenes where he was the funniest character. Yeah, yes. he's yeah. just such a, he's so fucking good. This dumb tree is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> this green whore. <laughs> such a good movie, you guys. It was it was really really. And then good. oh, and then Drax at the end when they're like, "Aren't don't you feel good that okay? No no spoilers. Don't you feel good that they got to bring an end." To Ronan, and he's like, yeah, he's just a puppet. Now it's Thanos I gotta kill. And they're like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> okay, honestly, I, what I feel like we need to do before we open the show up, um, Sean, can you do like an intro of just like, hey, the first few minutes we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, so if you yep. haven't seen it, you might want to skip yeah. through. Yeah. Yes. But you know what's more interesting, folks, is that Guardians of the Galaxy is actually an adaptation a oh, remake really? of a remake of an obscure French sci-fi film oh. known as Le Gardien de Galaxie. Oh my god, you're such a fucking nerd. You're a fucking nerd. <laughs> that uh, was beautiful. Filmed in all black and white. Yeah. All black and white, indeed. Yes. And it's a French-Italian combo it's, film. It's, yes. it's French and, and Swedish. So yes, it's, it's also it's, filmed... It's very you've Bergman. heard of a Dutch yes. angle? <laughs> this was filmed at a French angle, which is where everything is filmed looking down someone's right. nose. Oh right. my at god. You. And long was... <laughs> shots and the scenes really change when a new character enters. Right. But there was something <laughs> that was about it that was really Fellini-esque that oh. you just... Yes, totally have to appreciate. Why are we talking like this, guys? (laughs) Why? You know why? Because today we're going to talk about American remakes of foreign films. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I'm Sean Moriarty. What up, bitches? And it's I ain't no bitch, motherfucker. (laughs) And it's absolute bullshit. Guardians of the Galaxy was not adapted from a French film. No, we we just need a segue. Brian is learning from the master. Oh my god! He came up with that on his own. He came up with his own bullshit. Growing up, Brian, we're so proud of you. Do a segue like please. Everything's coming up, Rose. Ethel Merman. (laughs) Ethel Merman. Thank you. 
Wow. Mama doesn't care. <laughs> I'm still reeling from the last time I was in the studio where I got to, you know, talk about music theater and not have I, you I know. come down on me. So, anyway. Oh. Anyway. Anyway. So, speaking of French-Italian films, The Birdcage. Yes. We started yes. off by Look. talking about uh, American adaptations. As we talk, well, it really, The Birdcage, we, we can't talk about that without talking about La Cage à Fa. Exactly. Right. Yes. Uh, and I will say, I have not seen Pretty the... sure it's La Cage à Like, you pronounce the L in that. Oh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Stay, yeah. Yes, everybody, we're going to mispronounce the shit out of some words <laughs> Probably. Here. We are talking about foreign but... Sarah took French in high school, folks. Four, so. uh, well, I took three years in, in high school and so then one it, year in college. Yeah. So, so. it's La Cage à Fall? Yeah. Okay. Cage well, the interesting thing about that then is it was a movie and then it was originally a play it written was, by yeah. a... Which makes me wonder, so was The Birdcage very specifically an adaptation of the movie or was it an adaptation of the play? I want to say it was an adaptation of the movie. Okay. Because the the play... I'm not sure if it was a musical as much as it was just like a, a regular stage play. Well, there have been two versions. So there, there was, was a stage play, and then in the early 80s, there was the movie adapt- There was this musical adaptation by right. Jerry Herman. Thank you. Yeah, see, I'm yeah. really thinking there was, because I remember there being a lot of feathers and stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, they're drag queens and Right. And but so, so, like, there was the play, then they made the movie, which was, like, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that movie, even though it was French, was actually ridiculously popular in the States. Yeah. And then that's, and then it made it, it went onto Broadway, and then they did the Birdcage adaptation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually just recently watched the Birdcage, and I love Nathan Lane so hard. Oh. Nathan I pissed the toast. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan Lane and Robin Williams easily could have been yeah. nominated for Oscars. So I will say that uh, it depends on, I would say Nathan Lane's uh, portrayal of Albert, I think it's Alban in the mm-hmm. French version uh, is very, 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 very effeminate. But I don't know if the stage version of the character, I've seen different portrayals of it where he, mm-hmm. he's not as uh, stereotypically homosexual gotcha. as someone as how Nathan Lane chose to portray him. It does actually add humor to the to the drama, though. Yeah. That and Hank Azaria trying to wear shoes. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Hank Azaria just Agador in general. Agador Spartacus. Agador Spartacus. I forgot you can, his name. <laughs> you can cook, right? Your father seems to think so. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot the shrimps. You forgot the shrimps. He's just like running I, the kitchen. I cannot shrimp. wear shoes because I will fall out. Yes. <laughs> how, much, how much do you love those bowls that they serve the soup in, though? Like, oh I want God. a set of that like, for my own kitchen. <laughs> it looks Greek to me. <laughs> Where are my glasses? And there's a the men playing leapfrog. <laughs> and there's a girl on there, too. <laughs> I don't see one. Oh, I have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Such a good movie. And I just love the fact that it was based on such a like elaborate story. You mm-hmm. know, French-Italian, like, you wonder. Those are two very like flamboyant cultures in that regard sure. especially when it comes to like homosexuality like they're very you know liberal about it and so i thought this was a very strong and interesting story yeah to be able to bring to american you know shores and to portray it like that and to and it, and both it. adaptations have been pretty highly praised by the lgbt yeah. community because even though there's a lot of stereotypes you get past those stereotypes yeah. and you actually look past them and see there's fully rounded you know, developed yeah. human character. It shows really all sides. It doesn't I mean yes, there are stereotypes who are presented because to be totally fair, there are people who 
live up to the stereotype sure. in the, that community, but there are also plenty of people who do not. So. Of conservatives as well. <laughs> of conservatives yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. And see, I think that sometimes the stereotypes are needed in sort of a superficial way to grab audience members who who are conservative about an issue rather than liberal about it, and then break those down and then kind of wash them away and show the true humanity of people Sure. as sort of like a, a process to get the people who... You know, because I know several people who saw the birdcage and like begrudgingly, they're like, "Oh, I gotta watch this movie. I don't care about these guys." You know, mm. but then, so you have the stereotypes that make you laugh, and then all of a sudden, by the end, you're like, "Oh, I realize that it's yeah. everybody's everybody's the same." Yeah, I agree. Like the one scene in that movie that really, um, that really just kind of throws all that away and talks about just really their relationship is that beautiful bench scene. Yeah. And, it's, and there's almost no editing. It cuts, or if it does, it feels very, very uh, seamless. It's mostly just pulling in mm-hmm. um, the dolly on on this one shot because Mike Nichols is just a brilliant director. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. It just it, you're just talking about these people who are just deeply in love, yeah. who are having some strain on their relationship. Some. Yeah. <laughs> some, yeah exactly. Um, but the big yeah. thing about this particular story that I, I care about quite a bit is that it's come up at every single time when a cultural perception of homosexuality has been challenged. Yeah. Uh, particularly in the United States. I, I, I can't speak for what happened in France when it was originally made, but in the 80s, the musical launched right when we were discovering AIDS. And yeah. there was this huge stigma about how it was now the gay disease, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We had the musical revived again uh, in 2004 when the whole gay marriage issue was coming up. Yeah. Uh, you had the film in 1996 around when just as like when Ellen was coming out of the closet and becoming a major character on national television, right? That's right. So you've yeah. got all these different moments where it seems to bring itself up when it's necessary. Well, and even yeah. having the um, original French movie came out, you know, right at the time when there were raids on gay clubs and things like that and people were getting beaten and there were riots and stuff like that. There you so, go. Yeah. So then let me yeah. pose it to all of you guys then. There's another... American film remake of a European film, um, but a few generations pre- prior, and it's called Some Like It Hot. Oh, I had yeah. no idea this was a remake. You guys yeah. say Another good cross dressing so, movie. Yeah. yeah. Funny thing about Some Like It Hot, 1959, right? It's and Billy it's also, Wilder. Yeah. Okay, it was based off of a 1951 German film called Fanfaren der Liebe, or Fanfares of Love, which is based off of a 1935 French movie, Fanfare d'Amour. Wow, yeah, so it's like all all different layers yeah. of remake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah yep. right. Also been adapted into a Broadway musical, by Seriously? the way. Sugar. Sugar is the musical version of Sound Like It Hot. Also so. about cross-dressing men. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. These ones are straight. These ones are straight, but yes. how can you not notice the, uh, you know, the undertones of homophobia? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And it's really interesting, I think, because what it it goes to the heart of the matter, really. I think the issue people have with homosexuality is not so much the act as so much as that it's gender roles. Mm-hmm. You're, it's people who are doing this the thing that is supposed to be reserved for the opposite sex yeah. only. And having a man dress up as a woman is such a superficial way of bringing it up, but yet it does it in a way where you can accept it more easily. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, look at the era that Some Like It Hot was in. It was 59. So, right, you're going into the 60s. Right, just fresh off of McCarthy's too. But you also have, like, Jack Benny, who's also doing cross-dressing and stuff like that in variety shows. Milton Berle. Fair enough. But I think this film had a special 
part about it that made it so popular and made it one of the best films of all time. Yes. You know? And it's because of this. So, it's yes, Sean? Charming comedy. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Oh, I didn't raise my hand. Okay. okay. Well, yeah. half his half his face is covered. Can, Can we, we move that move shit over? Great. There he is. Move that face. Give mommy a kiss. Make a kissy face. Kissy face. Come on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You're so cute. You're so cute. Sarah, you made him cry. I didn't know. Sarah makes babies cry. I do make babies cry. It's actually really sad. This is why I'm going to be a terrible mother. Scared Sean. You did it. Yeah. I get it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to be a mother? No. 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 projecting. I'm going to be. I'm going to make a really great dog at least, mom at least, at least like right after your baby's breastfeeding, they're going to like draw a picture of the future. Oh my God. <laughs> that is one of the most subtle and best callbacks. Oh, it's because her boobs ever to tell done. the future. It's because I have precognitive breasts. She has mutant tits. <laughs> yes, oh I have mutant God. tits. The precogs <laughs> and their... Precognitive milk. Uh, yes, indeed. Gaze into my nipples of the future. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine, my God, like us having to be in a sci-fi situation where we need to know that information, <laughs> and we can't just touch them. We have to actually drink. You do tune drink in from them. Tune in. <laughs> God. Jesus Christ. Oh, that I'm is... so sad that this is not a video podcast because that was some great, great gestures there, Sean. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he's tuning, tuning, like he's tuning, tuning a radio 1940s radio <laughs> or Indiana Jones trying to figure out the combination to the safe <laughs> where do the headphones go you don't want to know you don't uh, want to know <laughs> Anyway. Back on topic y'all yeah so um, but it seems like we've uh, adapted a lot from Specifically French films mm. and also Japanese films. The list is huge. Yeah, like a much more than we have for other ones. So. Godzilla! Oh, yes, God. Godzilla. <laughs> two of them. And we did Japanese, two remakes. Well, Japanese horror, uh, there was The Grudge, The Ring, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Dark Waters. It's Gojira. Um, I'm, I, the I, I'm all about Gojira versus Godzilla. That, that's fine. The Ring and The Grudge remakes sucked no, compared I will, to the originals. I will say I like that the, the ring. ring was successful because Gore Verbinski made the decision to make the climax of the film exactly the same as the Japanese version. Yeah. So he did not change that at all. He made it equally as terrifying and I think that's what captured American audiences so well. Plus, Naomi Watts can hold her own. So. Yeah, Naomi Watts is really good. Yeah, there's a reason they made a sequel with her in it. I mean, come yeah. on. You know, that, yeah. that, that film, that that franchise was incredibly successful and I think it's because of that director's decision to make a callback to the Japanese film and and raise the stakes just as high as the Japanese version did mm-hmm. so interesting they've and the Japanese movies has even I think they even did a prequel like they they did oh, really? Ringu Ringu 1 Ringu 2 they even did a, the sequel Ring Zero is what they called it oh sure huh. so yeah uh you know, I think it's one thing to be said about American remakes is that unfortunately a lot of them fall flat because of the fact that they choose not to take the film in the direction that the original did. And in that regard, they don't have the same kind of impact that a lot of those original films did. Take Old Boy. You yeah. know, I mean, the Korean one was absolutely strange. It was bizarre. Right? So I finally watched it. Okay. I haven't watched the American version yet, but. That one single shot, and I, I heard that this is something that did not carry over into the Spike Lee version, but oh. the single one shot that they did in one take 
fight with the hammer Mm -hmm. against all those guys in that hallway Mm -hmm. was like one like one of the best filmed fight scenes I've ever it's seen. Iconic. It's iconic. If I remember yeah. in the Korean version, that's right when he escapes from the hotel room prison, right? Yes. No, it's so it's not yeah. right when he escapes. Well, he, comes he, he comes back. That was after because yeah. they let him out. Yeah. So this is when he comes back and he starts looking for answers and he's already taken that guy's teeth out. Right. And huh. then he's like, <laughs> now he's like, hey, now well. he's trying to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, they did that in the in the Spike in the Lee version, but it's definitely not one awesome shot. There's there is a long shot of some cool stuff, but it seems more choreographed, and they do cut away to close ups of the hammer hitting stuff and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. and so, I yeah. and I heard that the that the American version is a little bit more gory. Yeah, which yeah. I think speaks to just in general what Ameri- what you know american cinematic taste tends to be which is a little bit more violent and a little less mm. sexy sure so mm. sure yeah. Well, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen was pretty sexy in this one, I will say. Hell yeah, and she the, was. The female counterpart in the Korean version was more infantilized than she yeah. was sexualized. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers made me want to be her dad. Oh, God. Ew. No. John, no. Dude, seriously? Seriously. <laughs> Fucked up, Killed right? all the boners. Right? Yep. You and all Steve think you're going in for we were, date night? See, we were, you guys that yep. killed your boner, it made mine pulsate. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ew. Sean, no, I'm God, kidding. That's, that's disgusting. I, no. I'm Sean Moriarty. And I apologize. Folks, I do not support. <laughs> I declare <set>. Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to follow that though and talk about girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, same thing. I declare okay. Akbar. Okay, <laughs> no. calm your tits, Brian. Well, because it, in the in the <laughs> Swedish <laughs> version of the film, again, have not seen the original, unfortunately, on okay. this one, but. And the Swedish version wasn't the rape scene a little bit more intense than oh, it actually was yeah. in the American version. Yeah. Oh yeah, which is even still toned down from the book version. Yeah, yeah, so. no, the American version it hypersexualized uh, the main character. So Rooney mm-hmm. Mara definitely has you know her her naked scenes. Yeah, um, she had a it, naked poster. There was a poster yeah. for that movie with her topless with the pierced nipples with yep. Daniel Craig's arm around her. It was really wow. sexualizing her. But you know what? It's the American dream, right? To make women powerful because of their sexuality. Well, so. I think... So I think what the goal was in the character, and I guess the way it's written, the goal is that her character is supposed to... Because she's kind of broken and yeah. how she doesn't know how to show affection or caring. Right. That the only way she does know how to do it is just to have sex with people. Sex and violence. Yeah, yeah. she's like, this is just all I got. It's just so. sad because it's like, yeah, women can't assert power in society unless they do it through sex. Well, I think I think that's one thing to say. I think it's there's definitely one thing to say that women are definitely hypersexualized. Absolutely, mm. will not argue that at all. I think in this the case of this particular character, the least they gave it a reason. Mm, fair enough. She had a vengeance story. Definitely yeah. so. And they definitely highlighted that um, in the same... So they, they followed through with that the same way that was in the original film, which was a Swedish film, mm-hmm. based off of a Swedish novel. Yes. So that was all, you know, followed through there. And David Fincher, I think, to pay credence to that, yeah, didn't really change the character that that much. Right. I just nope. thought it was interesting that they portrayed so many more sex scenes and sexual moments yeah. in the Fincher film. And it was kind of a more stylistic choice. 
um, in this one than it was in the Swedish one, which was a really kind of serial film. Like mm-hmm. they did all of the they did all of the books. You know, they adapted every single one of them. And yeah. if you watch I, I, all the, aren't films they going to be adapting the next two? I keep hearing yes, it's on. No, yeah, it's off. I don't know about that. I think they're still up in the air because I still think that. Um, the movie didn't do it did well but mm-hmm. it did well because of the the controversy um and not because it, i feel like it just didn't hit as hard culturally as they wanted it to Wait, like controversy? yeah because of the rape scene oh right 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 yeah, yeah. no that's that's a thing yeah. that's a thing and speaking of controversy the original film their trilogy the director was murdered was he not Fuck, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the original director of the Swedish films yeah. was, like, murdered. Shit, all right, let's, God. Yeah, let's Google that. <laughs> yeah, right? Was it David um, Fincher? I bet you it was David Fincher. <laughs> David Fincher murdered him, yeah. Yeah. It was, His no, head it's, showed it's, up in a box. It's the Swedish... No, no, no. It's the, the Swedish director, box. so it's David Fincher Listen Borg. David Fincher Borg. It's the Swedish one. version. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So, have you guys have none of you have seen any of the Swedish versions? I have, I have, I have yeah. So the the only bit I saw of the Swedish version, and this is fucked up, was when my mom and I were going to get these matching giants tattoos. The tattoo shop was like playing it in the lobby area. Oh, and oh, I was no. just like, this no, is no, no, awesome. that's the wrong tattooing <laughs> movie to show. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh man. All right. Well, let's let's go and hi- go ahead and highlight some um, American remakes and yeah. kind of how they've fared in the box office compared to their European counterparts. Okay. Um, notably, there was the one um, called Taxi. Oh god, with the uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon <laughs> Queen Latifah movie. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because it was based off of a um, 1998 French film uh, of the same name, and apparently this film was so successful and so well done that it spawned sequels, and it grossed over 200 million in the box office. Was like a huge pride of France, and uh, the American version didn't do so well. Yeah, here's why: <laughs> post Chicago Queen Latifah. And Jimmy Fallon. Post-SNL Jimmy Fallon. So yeah. everyone had expectations of him. Yeah, so, absolutely. Sorry to uh, interrupt here. I have an update. Stieg Larsson, the original uh, director, died of a heart attack. He was on the That is the writer of the book, Brian. The Stieg Larsson is the writer of the book? Yeah, he's the yes. writer of the book. Oh, I'm sorry. I That's right. He passed away. at during. Okay, so after he wrote all the books. Yeah, that, I remember that being a big old thing. So not the director, but the, the writer of the original novels. Yeah. Pretty um, sad story. Looking for okay. Yeah, but no, yeah. J- I think I think that the world did a good. Whoever whoever controls these things made a very good decision when they said Jimmy Fallon, stop being in movies and just host a late night show. <laughs> so let's just go yes. back to TV. Just go. Just back. go back to doing your sketches because that's what you're really good yeah, at. Taxi mm-hmm. and Fever Pitch were all we ever needed. <laughs> uh, however, <laughs> buddy, the uh, a more serious version of it, like the French version, has shown up on television now. Brooklyn Taxi. Huh. Uh, I don't know if it's still on, but that was based off of the original French content. Oh. Uh, and same idea. Brooklyn cop gets her license revoked and now has to rely on a cab driver to be her. Wow, then. Her uh, Basically her partner. Okay. Uh, and they switched it. It's a female cop. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know if it's a female cop in the original or not. But All right. Well, here's yeah. my thing. That, that The one you mentioned, it just sounds like a, such an obscure movie because, you know, American Hollywood cinema is so the status quo you know hollywood is hollywood that you don't really hear much about foreign films unless yeah. it's the oscars unless it's you know unless you're into that sort of thing yeah um unless you go to the movies you know where you or you're really looking at like cans or something yeah, like that seriously. or you're finding some really good random shit on netflix exactly i like to look at cans i have a, <laughs> I have a second update 
Ugh. After being humbly corrected by Sean, I did the find the actual director's name, Niels Arden Oplev, and he is alive and well. <laughs> we'll send wow. him a, a so Steve We'll send him a fruit basket. I'll, I don't care. I'll clean up my desk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of going back to my point, you know, a lot of these foreign films that a lot of these major American films are based off of, unfortunately are not as popular in American shores, and I wish yeah, they were. Yeah, or sometimes they can be, sometimes they can't be. Yeah, you know, it just, it depends on yeah. who's doing it, you know? And, yeah. Um, Which one's better? Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, there's some that are really flipping good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let the right one in. Like, um, oh, God. Do you remember pl- that one? No, I don't remember that one. Based that's on- the one with... Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, the so, one the... No, that was oh, Let Me In. The, the American Let Me In. Yeah, that's version? the American version. It's called Let yeah. Me In, but yeah. the original version, which was also Swedish, is called Let the Right One In. Yeah. yeah. And, and apparently yeah. that one was, like, claimed as, like... It was hailed as one of the best films of the year, like, worldwide. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. so good. Or, like... The Departed. Mm-hmm. That was actually a remake from a Chinese film, Internal Affairs. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. like, that was freaking amazeballs. So the thing mm-hmm. is, is, you know, what, why are they doing this? You know, yeah. like, that's, I think we were kind of, like, discussing our, our theses <laughs> about about why um, American directors, filmmakers will remake foreign films. I think to a certain extent, when you're something along the lines of The Departed, if you just have a really good freaking story, you know, part of it could be, like, what Roxy, you said, that sometimes they just want to kind of put their own artistic flair into they it, They get right? inspired, absolutely. Scorsese yeah. was absolutely inspired by this mm-hmm. film. Yeah, and I think in some, in some cases that's probably the truth. You know, how many times do, like, stage play directors go see other plays and be like, man, I want to direct that show one day because I would love to do right. it this way. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the the point, is that there's these two sides of that. Like, there's either the integrity of storytelling or being original, original, original. And I think you can maintain integrity to storytelling, make something your own, and yet be using other people's material. Originality, yeah. I think, is dead, to be totally honest. And I think it's been dead for a millennia. It's not yeah. like... Originality just doesn't exist. It's an illusion. There's only seven stories that have ever been told. If you want to follow Joseph Campbell, yes. They're all about love. They're all about love. Every story. uh, One of our our favorite theater teachers from our alma mater, she would always say, every story you ever hear is about love. Different types of love, different ways to get to it, different, you know, whatever. Either way, it's all about that connection. Because it's all about make. propagating the species, biologically. There you go. Okay, <laughs> back to square one. <laughs> like, let's keep backing it up, backing it yeah. up. We're just trying to reproduce and take over the planet. <laughs> I want your babies. There you go. <laughs> it's But what Brian's saying is true about a millennia. I mean, it kind of, I remember I was in college and I took, uh, I took a class with a bunch of people and then was part of a, sh- saw a show that was all about Commedia dell'arte and all those archetypes. Oh, yeah. And stuff. And so I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, now this is just, it kind of like gave me this vision of, of every comedy I've ever seen and love story. And straight up, just when I see it, I can see the framework already. Right? Because yeah. it's been yeah. around for so long. So, what is yeah. it about the foreign films that does it so differently from the American versions? Well, I, I, th- I think a lot of it is uh, just culture in sure. general. Yeah. So, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to get um, kind of turned around, flipped on their head, or just altered because, you know, who's your core audience that you're trying to reach? Well, let's face it. America is a bunch of puritanical xenophobes, and so we have to remake everything that we see because that's how Americans (laughs) will want to see it. 
Sarah, what America. Was your, what well, was and that's your uh, yeah, right. So <laughs> you know, and there's a there's a very good argument for people don't want to read subtitles or whatever. You know, that that's kind of like that's the that's the studio marketing perspective of it. Yeah. But I think what's what I find bothersome about that is it's not trusting the audiences. Mm-hmm. It's assuming that everybody is so, you know, quote unquote middle America that it's they're coddling. just that they're not gonna want to experience those other things. They're not gonna want to think yeah, they want to escape yeah. like they did in the fifties. But I think, I, but I think, arguably, you know, we have because of the internet and because we're having such a global culture now, um, especially with Japanese culture, um, we're absolutely able to kind of commingle and stuff like that. And you have people who are, you know, if you're able to accept like, like manga, why can't you yeah. watch a Japanese movie? Like, yeah. you know, there's kind of so it's kind of a double edged sword. But at the same time, it is a lot more profitable to just buy the rights for a movie and re-release it here in the mm. States, like redo it and release it here. Yeah. So as opposed to, you know, I, so I, more money, money, and more money is kind of yeah. the uh, the argument on I, that. The thing that I'm really surprised at is I've seen some foreign films that are excellently dubbed, but yet mm. those aren't marketed in the United States in theaters. They're marketed on DVD usually. Yeah. People want to go, I don't know why they're marketed with only the subtitles on them, but I feel like that could help bring the story make it more accessible if that's the actual issue but i don't think that is i think like you're saying i think it's that yeah where they're making great generalizations about what yeah. people want to go see sean i'm just enjoying that that people like quentin tarantino have been putting a lot of foreign language with subtitles into their movies oh right that are american mainstream movies because it's going like all right you want to because i knew some people that were like i heard inglorious bastards has got a bunch of fucking subtitles i want to <laughs> If I want to read, I'll read the label of my Budweiser bottle again. Some bullshit like that. But then after they actually watch it, they realize, oh, I do have a higher than a third grade reading level and can follow this fucking movie. Mm. And now that they're doing that, and I'm starting to see it pop up more and more, too, where they're not afraid. Instead of of making people speak in their accent but speak English, they're not afraid to have them speak their language and put subtitles up in American films. I have a quick little anecdote to add to that. When Mel Gibson was making Passion of the Christ, he actually, his original intention was to release the film without subtitles. Oh, yeah. And the studio um, said no to that. They said they had to put subtitles in. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. I can just see him all hammered. Fuck you and fuck subtitles. (laughs) I'm doing this how I want it. This is how Jesus would want it. And I talk to him all the time, sugar tits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, fun fact. I actually watch most films at home with closed captioning on yeah um along with the audio because i'm actually a visual learner anyway nice. so i actually yeah. retain more of the story yeah, um I do by too. reading it me too which is i don't know i don't the, having the double input i guess yeah. of like um Ooh, double input. i know <laughs> <laughs> so i was like i just said it and i was like <laughs> but having like yes hearing it and also seeing it is really helpful for me <laughs> we are such fucking dorks I know <laughs> we're giggle fest about fucking quagmire god alright <laughs> we just can't help ourselves giggity um, but so I think you know you kind of have a really cool list of 
of more notable movies. Yeah. Um, some of the French remakes. True Lies was a fucking remake, <laughs> I people. No idea. La Total. It like blew my mind. Dina! No! Dina, no! Imagine that with a You're French fired. accent, though. Imagine that know, with a right? French accent. I can't Dana. even do it. No. <laughs> oh man! One of my favorite movies on the list, though French remakes, is uh, Breathless, and the the re- the American version is a Richard Gere film from the eighties. Mm-hmm. But the original was my favorite. It's called a boot uh, a boot du souffle. Oh fuck! A I boot just, du souffle. Are you I sure that's not? That I was gonna say. Are you sure that's not the Canadian version? Shut up! <laughs> I think that's actually. I think that's a special that you get. You, when you guys go to are Easter. horrible human <laughs> beings. I can't pronounce it, but it's one of my favorite movies because it was a Jean Luc Godard film, the French New Wave, you yeah. know, sixties with a. Jean Baptiste Belmondo and, and Jean Seberg or mm-hmm. Jean Seberg, I think, because she was the American actress who moved yeah. to France. Yeah. Wow, I'm really <laughs> fucking it so, up. Jean Seberg. What was what was his name? So the the male the actor's name is um, Jean Baptiste Belmondo, and then the actress's name is Jean Seberg. But her like the French pronunciation of her name, I'm pretty sure, is like Jean Seberg, which must have been kind of confusing. Because yeah, you have like two names. And the thing about like the thing about the actress is that she was an American in Paris, and so her French in the movie was very American. Yeah. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was she or was she not a werewolf? Yes, she was very <laughs> she much was a werewolf. Absolutely werewolf. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Can I just say though? No, no, I've seen that. I've seen wow. that shit. Bon Swire. <laughs> Can I just say though? Now that you guys, because breathless, right, being the American mm-hmm. title, a bout de souffle. Souffle means breath in French. How poetic is that? When you now get a dessert, I a know. souffle dessert, it just means. Breath. I have. It has the breath of angels. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's so douchey French. It's I fucking love it. beautiful. <laughs> oh god. It is made from eggs. Yeah. Egg whites. <laughs> Be whipped. Here's the yes. thing. With the, the uh, whisk in the copper bowl. Oh my god. That was the copper forged, bowl. That was forged in Adam. Poisson, le poisson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> le and poisson, then my cousin has quaffed <laughs> all over the top. And I cut off their heads <laughs> and I bullet the bones. <laughs> <laughs> I love French yeah. cuisine. Um, okay, um, so other <laughs> American version, other movies, but um, it had Richard Gere's butt in it the whole time. Well, oh that. fuck That's yeah, dude! All it was about. I mean, I've never seen it, but I'm into it. <laughs> I got really disappointed. But Sarah, go ahead. Um, some other ones: Dinner for Schmucks. <laughs> oh, which I kind of liked yeah. the American version. I didn't think it was as bad as everybody said it was. Well, no. the French version was much more successful. Yes, which was been there successful. Oh. Cons was it? Dinner de cons. Dinner de cons. Okay. Do you guys, did anyone see Down and Out in Beverly Hills? I never oh seen that God. movie, but apparently it's actually really freaking good. I'm sure. I mean, it's got Bette Midler and Richard Dreyfus. It's got Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. yeah, anything with Richard Dreyfus. And is I'm awesome. just like, I read the synopsis of it, and I'm like, so they're basically saving Nick Nolte from himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. is this a documentary about Nick Nolte? It well, was it's, supposed, it's supposed to yeah, be right. a movie about class, uh-huh. like socioeconomic yeah. disputes. And no stuff. wonder it's yeah. French. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was based off of. Uh, I forget what the original name was, but oh yeah, the the title has something to do with like saving a guy from drowning or something. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. the premise of it, right? That um, he falls in a pool. A movie that I almost completely forgot about That's until true. I saw this list: Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Indian in the city. Yes, I had to like sit yes. there and like actually because. <laughs> 
Steve hasn't seen very many movies from the 90s. He didn't really have much of a 90s, what? which is really weird. He's what? never seen Ace Ventura. Yeah. We're working well, that's in. because he's very successful in his field. In order to do that, you can't be wasting a bunch of fucking time. You well, no, he was a kid he in the 90s. Child. He was too busy like playing Pokemon. But <laughs> Oh, seriously? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I watched so Hocus have Pocus my today. children play Pokemon, yeah. they so will be here's successful. the funny thing. The French movie was released like mere months before the American one right. was. I actually, I think they, I don't know why, but I feel like this this was one base material that they were both being adapted at the same time. Maybe, I don't know. But can I just say, like, how weird is it to sit there and explain, okay, so Tim Allen is like, yeah, yeah, Tim Allen is a rich business guy <laughs> who's wife ex-wife whatever has a kid in the jungle brings the kid to the to the big city which is well, metaphorically a jungle <laughs> it was like dans I, la ville i'm just sitting there like i sound like an idiot trying to explain oh this movie how god. the fuck did this get pitched oh my god and i know right there is one interesting <clears throat> thing i remember one i've only seen one scene from the french version and it's the kid is climbing the Eiffel Tower <laughs> from the uh, using a rope. He's scaling the Eiffel Tower, and his dad is in like one of the restaurants <laughs> that are in the tower, and he sees him climbing it up. And, That's amazing. You know. okay. uh, so other really cool movies aside from Jungle to Jungle because that was not so much of a cool one. Uh, nine- what are you talking about, Sarah? That movie was great. <laughs> Watch yes, all Tim Allen vehicles were amazing. Right. That was cinematic. You, man of the house is genius. No wait, that's not Tim Allen. That was the, Chevy Chase. The Santa Claus. How the can you Santa not Claus? Let go I know. Of the that Santa was really good. Claus. I was just blending Home Improvement stars <laughs> together in my head. My favorite Tim Allen movie is actually Zoom. Oh my just god! That I say that. Uh, Galaxy Quest. I was gonna say, what was the one with the fucking yeah, yeah, yes. fucking Galaxy Quest? Or so there was the one where he. And Kirstie Alley are married, <gasps> and they're rich people, but they get in trouble for with like the SEC or for something. Poor. Yeah, oh, and they have shit. to like become Amish. That's so yeah. right. Yeah, for richer, for poor. Oh, Kirstie uh, Alley's hair and her body. Uh, she was at her prime. She was at her prime at that movie. Girl. Yeah. Um, yes, right before she found cake. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Nine Months was a French yeah. movie. Original Sin. Whoa. Three Men and a Baby. Oh my God! Can you believe that? I know. The Tourist, which I was surprised about that one. Um, apparently, was really good in French. Um, really good French movie. Please tell me, what, is the French movie Trois Hommes? No, bébé. Oh, it was actually the funny thing <laughs> about the French version is uh, it's called Anthony Zimmer. That is really it's weird. Not a French name at no. all. <laughs> it's um, like a Jewish name. <laughs> this one actually blew my mind. Which one? Twelve Monkeys. Oh my God! Legit. Oh really? Yeah. I had no yeah. idea that that was tell? a French remake. Oh, so good. It is so good. I so love good. that movie. So good. That was like, One well, of my favorites. but Terry Gilliam is just off his fucking rocker. I love yeah, it. Seriously. But I had no idea that that was a there remake. There were a lot He's of a French. Crazy saloon. Oh, God. <laughs> there were, I felt like watching that movie, I feel like maybe the score of the film was very French. Yeah. Yeah. Elements of almost kind of calling back to the professional. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, this, I thought mm-hmm. the scores to those two movies were very similar and that kind of like the use of like the flute and the, the you know, the lyrical kind of sounding. And it was a very European-esque film. Yeah. Like, Terry Gilliam being a British director, sure. yeah, of course, and he's his American. style is very, or excuse me, American, but he has ties to Monty Python. Right, he's so. the yeah. he's, a, he's the token American in, in the there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very stylistic in that regard, and yeah. that's why I felt like that was one of the most successful American adaptations mm-hmm. because it was still a callback to the European uh, sure. roots. Yeah, sure. do you guys think that's kind of fucked up? 
What what's that? That England gets their their token American is is fucking Terry Gilliam. Yet we get the token Brit is fucking Russell Brand. <laughs> Russell Brand's pretty brilliant. I will say he's actually he is he's actually a pretty good actor. But he's no Terry yeah. Gilliam. I love Russell Brand with bullshit, all my heart bullshit, and balls. Bullshit, bullshit, but... bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> okay, one of my favorite French films that was made into an adaptation um, is Unfaithful. That was a good one. Diane. Oh, Diane. Yeah, Diane. Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie felt like, I felt like I was watching a French film, but all the actors were speaking English. Like, it helps that, you know, the love interest in that one was a French, is a French actor. Right, right. Um, But Richard Gere. I know. God, he breaks my heart in that movie. I know. Yeah. Breaks my heart. Who's the the director? Adrian Rich, I think. Yeah, it's a female director. She's a very renowned um, director of really, like, dramatic Mm -hmm. relational pieces, right? Um, and uh, Unfaithful, man. If you haven't seen it, you need to check yeah. it out. It's one of her best performances um, and one of the best films I think I've ever right. seen. So so not just, um, you know, French movies. Also, we kind of mentioned some um, Japanese movies. Other ones that I think we, we did not mention, mm-hmm. uh, Fistful of Dollars and The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Both Kurosawa films that were adapted into Westerns. That's right. Yojimbo yep. and The Seven Samurai. Yeah. Yes, they were yeah. all based I've off seen of Samurai stories. Seven Samurai. Yes. And I actually, with Fistful yeah. of Dollars, um, mm-hmm. they did not get the rights to that before they remade it. And no. Kurosawa successfully sued them <gasps> for it. Yeah, Good for him. Yes. You know what? Yeah. Kurosawa deserves all the credit oh, in all yeah. the world. He's oh, one yeah. of the most influential directors of all time. Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Seven Samurai? I mean, are you kidding me? I know. One of the only movies I will gladly, you know, gladly sit through and it's like three and a half hours long. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, fun uh, fact, uh, the guy who did Unfaithful, by the way, um, Adrian Lin, also did... Oh, it's Adrian Lin. That's Adrian right. Lin. Uh, did Jacob's Ladder, which is a oh, fucked yeah. up movie. Uh, Fatal Attraction. That's the oh one I was my thinking God. of. See, Fatal Attraction and Unfaithful are very similar. Are you ready for this? Styles. Also did Flashdance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was thinking of Adrian Rich, who is a female uh, person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Adrian Lin is a male director. Yeah, I will so. say, though, that the one movie that's probably closest to this one in, like, tone and sexuality is Nine and a Half Weeks, which he oh also did. Oh, my God, that's sure. right. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. Solaris. <gasps> Russian. Was based off a Russian film. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it was erased. It, before that, it was a Russian TV movie. And before mm-hmm. that, it was a book by a Polish author. Right, mm. right. So it was also the European. <laughs> um, Spanish films. So oh, Vanilla shit. Sky. Yeah, Sean, you got this. Vanilla I got Sky. this. So Vanilla Sky, which <laughs> I saw in 2001, so I was like 18. I actually liked it a lot when I first saw it. And uh, even though it's been critical, they're like, I, I remember quote, hearing a quote of a reviewer said something like, I didn't know that Cameron Crowe had a movie this bad in him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but it was, I, and I <sighs> thought it was really good until I saw the Spanish version, Abre los ojos, which means open your eyes. And that mm. version is so much fucking better. I was like, man, well, you could have just straight up translated it, changed the names, and done what Gord Verbinski did, which was keep a lot of it the same. But if anybody's seen Vanilla Sky and hated it, see this movie. Mm-hmm. It's way better, mm-hmm. and it's real. And honestly, I mean, we've all we live in America now, where we have an ever increasing Spanish speaking um, immigrant population. That so, it, like, you guys all, a lot of people have taken Spanish. You'll pick up on stuff, and you'll be able to understand more of the emotion than in movies that are either French or Japanese, a language that's much more removed from us. Yeah, absolutely. And to speak on that, another great Spanish film is uh, Wreck. 
and the American remake is Quarantine. Well, it's it's REC. REC, thank yeah. you. But um, REC Quarantine is, is that the movie with Dexter's sister? Yes. Yeah. With Jennifer yeah, Carpenter. Yeah, not not a fan. Yeah, but here's the thing: REC is terrifying. Yeah, I heard like, it's I heard it's really yeah. really freaking scary. It's I mean it's Spanish filmmaking to the ultimate extent. You think of you think of um, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Yeah. But like. Ten times more terrifying. Right. But he's Mexican. But Spanish filmmaking in the sense that it's a sp- like Spanish, Spanish language. Film. Spanish yes. language film. Thank you. Um, in that regard, I think all of those films, they're kind of iconic in their own right. In the same way that like a Japanese mm. horror film would be or like a French, you know, film would be either. Like each, each culture of film has its own strengths. Yeah. And I think the Spanish speaking films are, are just equally as powerful. But yeah, so I think we definitely touched on a lot today, guys. Yeah, we did. But and I was, think I think yeah. the bigger idea is that don't disqualify something because it's a foreign film. <laughs> Straight up. If yes, you, and yeah. don't disqualify seeing a foreign film if you've seen the American version and it sucked ass. Exactly. Yeah, because it, like, it, in it fact, may be it, very make different. that a reason for you to go see the foreign film. Be like, what were they? What was the person that came up with this story really trying to say before yes. it was bastardized? Yes. Use your own power of critical thinking and be able to know that there's better versions or equally as terrifying or more entertaining. Um, broaden your scope of of being a film the, uh, cinephile. <laughs> You know? And if you don't like any version, fucking write your own version. Send it into <laughs> us. We'll do a radio drama version of it. And if it's any good, we'll make it into a video. I mean, we do have our right. kind of own in-house Orson Welles over here, <laughs> Sean Moriarty. I am not as... <laughs> I'm, uh, this, I'll do Orson Welles near the end. They <laughs> uh, want me to do this Transformers movie and they're going to pay me in sandwiches. So I'm going to Somebody get me a tub of mayonnaise. What's in the box? The, the French are known for their robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarah? The so French are known for their into... robots. Let's get into True feedback, state. huh? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get into listener feedback. Dorks. Listener feedback. Yeah. Um, so we actually got a lot of feedback, which yeah. is really nice. Um, so we won't be able to probably read through everything, but we did get uh, an email from Lindy B, um, titled Danny Elfman and Nerdonomy Wonderfulness. And she had just finished listening to the Danny Elfman episode and want to say thanks for this one. Have not commented in about a year now. Um, she basically said that Danny Elfman, um, totally takes the cake is better than John Williams for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, she's been to multiple Oingo Boingo concerts yeah, while she, she wears, was in college. <laughs> she wears that badge with pride. <laughs> yeah, she does. Um, and, uh, and she told a really funny story. I guess she said that um, her 12-year-old was reading um, The Island of Dr. Moreau for school, and she had never read it. But as she was reading along with him, she realized that the Oingo Boingo song No Spell Blood came from that book. Nice. And then she just kind of like, oh, my yeah. gosh, it blew her mind. Um, so. Yeah. Switching over to Twitter, we got a great one from Missy, who we tried to hook up with, with, uh, with, with was it Tony, the other day, on, on last week? Oh, yeah? Uh, shout out on Nerdonomy on Nerds on Film equals Day Made. Uh, they tried to hook me up with a complete stranger. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> to which one of us replied, yep. 
Yeah. And they said, you want to do karate in the garage? He's like, yup. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought I replied, someone cue some goddamn hollow notes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, speaking of Twitter, um, our dear friend Billy. Yes. And I, we kind of had a Twitter and passe. Um, and Sarah got involved in the mix, too. It was kind of a Twitter threesome, if you It was, a, twi- it was a Twitter it. three-way. You know what? It was, it was a tweet way. It was a hardcore tweet way. It really yeah. was. The three of us got got down dirty. But yeah. we talked about um, Casey at the bat. Yes. And that was something that, you know, Billy had really responded to strongly. Apparently, my reading of it, the stands that I mentioned gave her, like, chills. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, And then Sarah got all protective. (laughs) Well, no, because you were like, oh, yeah, love you, whatever. And I was like, hey, (laughs) I was like, I introduced you to. You did. Y'all were my friends first. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do want to say we got one from Tony, one of our newer listeners who has fallen in love with our show and has been now going through our backlog of nice. episodes. Uh, it says, hey guys, I have a question for you. I routinely troll the Chiller channel for interesting things to DVR later. I noticed a movie from 2000 called Spiders starring Lana Perilla. My whole family loves Once Upon a Time, so I recorded it and just uh, finished watching it with my daughter, and it was deliciously bad. <laughs> uh, that got me thinking. Can you guys recommend some other movies that starred the big names of today who needed to pay the Power Bills a few years ago, especially love the schlocky B horror movies. Uh, Jennifer Aniston was in one of the, the Leprechaun, Leprechaun movies. Leprechaun. Yeah, mm-hmm. movies. Right. I know that. Uh, Courtney Cox, Guilty Pleasure. Courtney Cox was in Masters of the Masters Universe. Masters of the Universe. With her bangs. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. So our Guilty Pleasures episode, we'll talk about that. She sure. was also... We couldn't even make it all the way through that movie. I know, I know. it's true. She was also... Courtney Cox was also in a Bruce Springsteen music video for um, Dance in the Dark. With her mom jeans. Yeah, it was pretty fantastic. Oh, she was, was great. pretty, pretty great. She is yeah. the epitome We'll have to... I think 90s. actually that would probably be a really fun episode topic, actually, to do of like actors like who did really shitty movies in the beginning i think that'd be pretty fun basically brad pitt's career (laughs) um cutting class anyone Uh, offhand (laughs) do we have any schlocky ones to to give away right away or just just ones we've said so far just the ones we said so far okay cool i've got one more piece of feedback and it's very short okay James sent us a pretty lengthy email about all everything he's been loving about the World War One episodes of Nerds on History. But at the very end, he said something to us. He's like, okay, so another thought for NOF adults only. Fuck off, Sean. Ohio nerds forever. Parentheses. <laughs> but we actually love you. Stop hating. Aww. Peace, love, and nano nano. P.S. Seven spoilers. Sean's broken dick was in the box. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count if James brings it out of retirement that, yet again. That's fine. Oh, that's, that's good fine. stuff. I love um, it. Aunt Teresa, I hope you're loving all these loopholes we've come up with. <laughs> <laughs> um, just real them. quick, uh, Dino, we did get your feedback. We're going to actually be saving it. Um, we're not reading it this time, but... Uh, the week the episode after this is actually something very special, and then the week after that is episode 100. So we will probably be reading it on episode 100. Yes, so because we love you and we love all of our listeners. Yes. So okay, mm-hmm. cool. So hang tight on that, and that's the it for listener feedback. It is indeed, and as Sarah said, coming in a couple weeks, yeah, we are going to be doing something very special for the hundredth episode. Can we announce it? Is it well? Cool? We can. We can. Episode 99. And episode 99 is going to be a blooper reel. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, you think we are, sound fucked up on the podcast? You should hear what we don't put in the show. Yeah, uh, put, yeah it's yeah. gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, so just tune in for that. But after that, can we announce what's gonna happen for the hundredth episode? Sure. Crossover. Woo! Yeah, so we're gonna have the entire Nerdonomy family here. But not only that, mm-hmm. our cousins from across <laughs> the country. That's a good. Our way cousin to put podcast, it. the girls with issues. 
yes. ladies will also yes. be in studio with us. Billy and it's going to be awesome. Vicky. I'm sure nobody will be talking over each other there and there be won't be a tongue. whole bunch of <laughs> yes, calamity. Yes, Lots yes, of yes. good tongue action. So yeah. it'll be really, really cool. And uh, we can't Something wait to do to that. To look forward to. Lots of exciting times Hello. coming our way in the Nerdonomy family. Indeed, as we get ever so closer to our two-year anniversary. Aww. Yes. Yes, and uh, speaking of which, you can help support us by uh, going to our website and giving us some feedback. We always love to hear it, as you've heard from earlier tonight. But you can also support us by either going to our PayPal and clicking on a donate button or using our audible.com partnership, where you can go and uh, if you get a free trial, we get a little commission. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. All right, folks, it's that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Bye. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Oh, God, I passed the toast! (laughs) (laughs) So good.